Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to be a new IPO. And provides unbiased answers. I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, April 20th, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in this hour. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited to answer your finance and investment questions. I know there's probably a lot on everyone's mind. Today was a very interesting day. Positive overall, but certainly negative for companies like Netflix. Once again, we continue to see re-rating lower, uh, deceleration in growth, and it's a lesson for everybody that you, you can't extrapolate growth rates from the pandemic. In fact, you have to trim your growth expectations because uh, for many companies because the pandemic was a unique, a unique market environment. And now things are normalizing. And with normalization comes volatility, comes new market leadership, and comes a new market regime. And there's a lot of pitfalls, and many fell prey to the pitfalls of growth investing. And this is, we're kind of in the 2001 timeframe, meaning multiples have already come down dramatically, but there's probably more room to run to the downside. And so it's really about refocusing on real businesses, on the economic backdrop, and focusing on the here and now. For as much as we want to use the markets to better our financial future, the first lesson that most new investors have to learn is that investing is not for getting rich quick. As much as you would like it to be easy, it's not. As much as you want it to be your panacea to your financial situation, it definitely won't be in the near term. Because this is a get rich slowly 
And it's in combination with saving consistently. And most people tend to skip that part. They don't have good day-to-day money habits. Therefore, they don't have good day-to-day savings habits. And all the investments in the world, all the good decisions, are not going to yield you the best results without consistent savings. And I know a lot of people caught caught up in crypto craze and the work from home craze, but that was short lived. And you can extrapolate those gains for a long period of time because they pretty much never happen. There's something called a reversion to the mean. And a lot of these stocks are reverting to the mean. Now, a lot of them are going to overshoot, but that's kind of how it is. The market's like a pendulum. Swings from one side to the other. But like a pendulum, it rarely stays in the middle of fair value for any length of time. Usually sentiment overshoots both ways. And you can either fall prey to that or you can identify opportunity. You can get emotional and chase those returns, but you'll never catch it. Or you can use common sense, use real analysis of businesses and buy into good businesses at reasonable prices. And that's how you succeed longer term. It's not about the pie in the sky story. It's about cash flows, earnings that accrue to you, the shareholder and paying a reasonable price for that. So that's what I'm here to help you do is to help understand that process, give you the tools to make those good decisions. So on this podcast, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So when I'm talking about the market as a whole, a particular stock or sector, I'm here to present with all bi- without bias and give you the facts as I see them in front of me and some perspective with over 20 plus years of investment experience. So I encourage you to reach out right now with your finance and investment question. And we get and, and when you do that, you get to shape the show. I can talk about whatever I want. But most importantly, this is about you, the Invest Talk listener. And you can call, interact with me right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or you can leave a question on our Invest Talk voice bank. Either way, the number never changes. It's 888 chart So let's get to our first listener question now. Hi, guys. My name is Matt from Florida. I love the show. I'm calling about a stock that I see as being very undervalued, a very low PE, very high EPS, and pays a decent dividend. The stock I'm asking about is JXN Jackson Financial. I'd love to hear what you guys think about it. Thank you. All right. This is Jackson Financial. 
They offer retirement planning and annuity products. Uh, so they're an annuity broker. Not my favorite thing. Yeah. It's retail products offering uh, offerings, compromise annuities, uh, variable fixed, fixed, uh, in, uh, fixed indexed annuities. Yeah. Now the issue, I think, longer term is the fiduciary rule. And it's going to, if this ever gets passed, and there's a lot of lobbyists, especially within the annuity industry, that don't want this to go through. They want to continue to give out large commissions to annuity sellers and not have them beholden to the fiduciary standard. Like we're an RIA, we're a fiduciary. RA stands for Registered Investment Advisor, for everyone out there, which means we have to put the interest of our clients before our own. Well, a broker, typically selling annuities, they don't have to do that. And the regulation that's coming down the pipe is pushing towards a unified, a uniform fiduciary standard. Will that actually come to fruition? I don't know kind of fits and starts. Sometimes it looks like it's going to go through, sometimes it doesn't. And lobbyists, you know, they tend to, to kind of win. Now, I will say this does look very cheap. Um, so I'm a little confused why it's so cheap. If this is true, it is very cheap. Let me pull it up on a different system to double check this cheapness because it looks like it's free cash flow is five billion, five almost six billion, and it is only a four billion dollar market cap on one of my systems. Let me double check that. Hmm. Yeah, this looks very cheap. I don't, I don't understand why it looks so cheap. I'd have to dig into this a little bit more. Um, is it the debt level? Oh, they do have a lot of debt. Yeah. So that's the issue here is they do have a lot of debt. So that free cash flow is basically going to accrue to debt holders, um, at least in the uh, the shorter term. Um, you know, once they work through that debt, that's another story. Maybe that starts to accrue to, um, you know, a dividend maybe, um, which it looks like they just started paying, but it's very, very small. Um, so that's the issue here. It's just an overhang of a lot, a lot of debt. Okay. Now we have good news for Invest Talk listeners that enjoy hearing unbiased answers to caller questions at a faster pace. We have just posted an all-new April Rapid Fire Hour with 30 caller questions. It's available now as a free podcast download. Please tell your friends about the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour podcast. And now the Invest Talk phone lines are open, so give us a call at 888 chart. You are listening to Invest Talk. Justin Klein is here. And if you've been watching the news and market volatility, you're going to have finance and investment questions. The phone lines are open, and Justin is taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. And my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline Expense ratios vary by investment types. And we're going to look at what what it means to uh, understand 
these expense ratios when you're investing in various types of funds, mutual funds, ETFs, etc. I also want to discuss the rising rates on the leverage buyout market. And this is going to have the largest impact on private equity, which has done well over the years due to low interest rates, but things are changing. And ultimately that was, uh, that's, that's going to be a risk in the marketplace. So we're going to look at that. Also a record high number of leases are coming due this year. And what does that mean for the commercial real estate market? And then lastly, there's some interesting trends within homeowner groups preventing large buyers of homes coming in and rent, you know, big, making neighborhoods uh, full of rentals. Um, and this is going to hinder growth for, you know, the Blackstones of the world that have come in and bought a lot of, uh, a lot of real estate around the country in order to be landlords. So that's something that we're going to take a look at if we have time, but let's take a look at the market today. We had the S and P that was slightly down 2.7 points. Uh, but really it was the growth side of the market. Like I said, at the top of the hour, the, the Netflix earnings came out and they forecasted negative sub subscriber growth. And this is something that is likely to continue, uh, you know, re-rating lower. Uh, this is now down 67% from its high. I said this before. The vast majority of these story stocks are going to be down 80% plus from their high. That's the pattern. That's the pattern of moving from one side of the pendulum to the other. When you get so uber bullish on particular names, when all the shorts get shaken out, when all the retail investors jump in on their Robinhood app and, and buy shares and get the confetti coming down and make it look like this investing thing is a big game. Well, when that momentum fades, investors rush out the door. And then when the business starts to fade, they, there's a mass exodus. And that's what you're seeing. You're starting to see some washouts, but also just simply capitulation by the crowds. And this is not something I think it's going to end soon. So be careful out there. Now we'll take a break and now, and then we'll go to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from New York. So hang on. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? 
Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes, and be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi, Duncan from New York. You guys are excellent at what you do. Thank you very much. My second part to my cannabis sector question is if marijuana does become legal, I'm sure it's not going to happen anytime soon, but probably within the next like year or two, I would like to take a position in grow generation. G-R-W-G's thought process is to invest in the company that is basically the shovel to the cannabis sector and just thought of that idea through the amount of podcasts I listen through you guys. Would like your two cents on it, an entry point. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Are you looking at grow generation and what they do is they sell uh, they're, they're a retailer of hydroponic and organic garden stores, and it sells a lot of the necessary equipment, greenhouse lighting, ventilation systems, etc., to grow cannabis. And it's been growing pretty dramatically revenue-wise, and it hit profit- profitability pre-pandemic in 09, which was good. And, but the problem is that profitability is now peaked 2021. They made 21 cents this year. They're only to make six cents down 71% lost seven cents a share last quarter revenue growth, which was growing 150% on average over the past couple of years. Last quarter is only 46%. So what's happening here. And if there is legalization, is that really going to uh, help them? Wouldn't the altrias of the world come in and produce cannabis in mass? It's, it's a weed. So they call it weed. It's, it, it grows easily. And this is just the distributor for those products. So while grows have popped up all over the country and they benefited from that, the return equity is still only 3%. Their margins, net margins only 3%. So it's a very low margin business. And their free cash flow has never been positive and they've just been issuing more and more shares. And this is what's important right now. You need to focus on cash flow even more intently than you normally do. Remember, earnings is an accounting metric. Cash flow is what you need to reinvest in the business. And while their operating cash flow is positive, they've plowed it all into capital spending and net it's negative. And where do you get that money? You either borrow it, which those borrowing costs have gone up, or you issue more shares. And so this has been constantly diluting shareholders. They had 9 million shares outstanding in 2016. Now they have 60 million. Six zero. So I don't have a price to buy this because I think it's just going to be diluting shareholders away until they can get to some sort of sustained profitability and positive free cash flow. But I don't see that anytime soon. So the technicals are horrible. The Business fundamentals are not great. So I'm definitely passing on grow generation GRWG. 
Now let's look into an iTunes review question. HD said, I'm considering buying ABB. Fundamentals and entry point, please. ABB. Now this is a large industrial firm out of Switzerland. And they manufacture power management and power plant automation system or equipment for uh, the industrial and power generation space. Let's look at the market cap here. It's about $67 billion. Earnings last year, $2.29. But down 33% expected this year to $1.54. I don't know why that is. Why is it in decline? I don't like that. Technicals are poor, below all the major moving averages. And let me take a look at a few other metrics here. Trading enterprise value to EBITDA about nine times, which is historically on the the lower side. No, not historically low, but you know, over the past decade plus in the lower uh probably 25%. So on that metric, it's cheap, but that's also backwards looking. If earnings are going to drop 33%, that could tick up. The multiple could tick up with the price not doing anything. So I don't like the technicals. It's a good business. Our fair value is closer to $25. Is that 31 and change now? So it gets in the low 20s, I'll get excited about it. Return equity long-term is solid, mid-teens, so I like that. But I just don't like the technicals. So, like I said, low 20s versus low 30s now. Now, the next Invest Talk, this story. Over 8% of American households spent, total household spending goes to health care costs. A study of almost 24,000 employees in a major Fortune 100 company found that 61% of them choose the wrong plan for their needs. Do you know how to choose the best plan for your situation? That'll be tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value. So your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. 
Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers. Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI Red Teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E dot com. HackerOne.com. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. 
And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Ricardo in Linwood Hills looking at Disney. You own it or looking to buy it? Hi, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I'm looking to buy it. I'm, uh, I'm assuming it was uh, the domino effect from the Netflix news uh, that took down uh, Disney today, or mm-hmm. is there a, is this a good entry point? Well, it, that all depends on whether you expect their business to bounce back this year, as analysts analysts are expecting. It's supposed to make $4.44 this year. That's up from... $2.29 last year. And if you go based on that number, you're looking at still about a 30 times multiple, which I think is pretty expensive. Um, the technicals are are pretty weak. Uh, their Disney Plus streaming is doing okay, uh, but it was that initial rush, rush that um, brought the stock higher. And now it's made really a round trip. When they launched it in uh, the fall of 2020, it was trading right around this this level. And they've had a lot of uh, trouble since then. Um, now, I don't think it's cheap enough yet, to be honest with you. I think this needs to get down closer to $100 per share. That would get me uh, more excited. Now, it's definitely down today because of uh, Netflix, right? Uh, lower value, the market's putting a lower value on the Netflix, uh, or excuse me, the streaming business. And, and that's what, uh, what's driving the price down in the short term. Uh, Now, if I was going to give you an exact price on major support would be about actually about 110. That would be um, major, the next major support level. And today it broke uh, major support. So I'd be patient on it. It's not a name that I get super excited about, um, but you know, in the, in the low, low 100s, uh, I think it would be interesting. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Expense ratios vary by investment type, and it's something a lot of people don't know about, uh, or they don't, they don't see. Right? Expense, expenses within a mutual fund, within an ETF, It's not something you get a line item. Uh, This is how much my expenses were for the year. It's a small amount that's taken out every day from what is called the NAV, net asset value. And that's reflected in the price of the fund, mutual fund, ETF, et cetera. And They've come down over the years. Morningstar's 2020 U.S. fund fee study, based on asset weighting, had an average expense ratio of 0.41%. That's way down from 2000 when it was 0.93%. Now, if you just look at actively managed funds, it was 0.62%. Passive funds... 0.12%. So index funds. So about a 50 basis point difference there. Now this blends all types of funds. Some of those funds are worth it. Many are not. 
but it's also one aspect of your analysis that you have to do when you're looking at any type of investment. We're in an era where investors have ignored almost everything except for, uh, except for expenses. And I think that's a giant mistake many people make. You know, robo-advisors, they use index funds only. And then they charge a fee on top of that. And so whether it's a robo-advisor or a real advisor, you need to understand that. A lot of financial advisors, they will charge a fee, but then they will put you in mutual funds and ETFs. And there's another fee on there. So when you're building a strategy, when you're using funds of any type, make sure that you're looking at all the factors, risk and reward, and the economic backdrop that we're in. Today's a good example. Look at VOOV, Vanguard Value ETF. leaning in the right direction is low fee. Now, is it the best value ETF out there? Maybe not. This is definitely more of a stock pickers market. And so active managers are succeeding a lot more often because they're focusing on real businesses. So while expense ratios are important, you definitely don't want giant expense ratios paying one and a half, two 2%. That's just overboard <clears throat> because odds are you can find competitive expense ratios with good active managers. Right? Now let's put it back to the best talk voice bank for a question that came in earlier on 888 chart. Hey, Steve or Justin, my question is about Capstar Financial, ticker symbol CSTR. I just want to know a little bit about your technical analysis on this company. So anything you can give me, let me know. Thank you. All right. Interesting. This is Capstar Financial Holdings. And this is a bank out of, it looks like, is it Tennessee? Yep. 24 offices in Tennessee. It's repurchasing about $30 million worth of common stock, which is not small uh, compared to its market cap of $467 million. It's about 6 or 7% of the market cap. So that's pretty good. There's a lot of economic growth within Tennessee. Uh, there's a lot of those moving from high-cost areas to lower-cost areas like Tennessee. And Tennessee is typically very business-friendly. So as the onshore manufacturing from the likes of China, Tennessee is definitely going to be one of those areas that's going to benefit. So I like that. Historically, its profitability has been decent, not amazing, but definitely on the rise. So I like that. Trailing 12-month free cash flow, about $100 million. That looks cheap, but it's probably not as sustainable. Typically, it's not that high and you can see it with earnings last year expected uh, made two dollars and 21 cents this year expect to make a dollar 90 which is 
would still, outside of last year, be a record high. So even though it's, it's come down 14%, still going to be relatively robust. Now, the technicals, it's kind of gone sideways. But what I like is that this is actually outperforming like the, the KBE, which would be the regional bank index. It's trending up in, in relation to that. So I'm going to give Capstar a thumbs up, CSTR. Well, the second quarter is moving right along, and we're already more than halfway through the month of April. And you're probably seeing continued volatility, and you're probably wondering, is this new era of inflation going to persist? And if so, is my portfolio aligned with the current market environment and my goals? Well, if you need help understanding whether you're going in the right direction, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at our company, KPP Financial, for a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meetings. We operate with the same philosophy as we do here on the show, independent thinking and shared success, which means we provide unbiased guidance and parallel investing. We invest right alongside our clients. So if you need help understanding how to be successful, Give us a call, reach out to us through investtalk.com or call our office at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Now, Steve and I encourage your calls anytime, 24-7, so please tell your friends about Invest Talk. Coming up next, another voice bank question, so stay with us. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin, thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24-7. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin. This is Glenn in San Francisco. I'm a relatively new listener, but uh, learning a lot. So thanks for what you're doing. My question is about uh, trend following. If I'm following a stock and it starts to move up above its 200-day moving average, what uh, strategy do you recommend uh, if I'm looking to, to buy that stock or ETF? Do I jump on it right away? Do I wait a few days, make sure it maintains that level? Do I look at other indicators? What's your recommendation there? Look forward to hearing the answer. Thank you. Well, the 200-day is typically it's a good, good one to use. It's not my favorite though. My favorite is actually the 100-day. That is a better sense of uh, kind of medium-term trends. So I would start with that. And then a lot that depends too on where it's coming from valuation-wise. Is this company that has been depressed for a while and it's finally making a turn or it's been you know choppy around the 100-day to 100 and 200-day moving average for a while? The S&P has kind of been like that, right? 
in January, it dropped below the 200. February popped back above. By the end of February, it was below. By mid-March, it was back above. And now it's below again. Clearly, it's more of a neutral trend. So what I want is fundamentals backing me up. Growth accelerating on mainly cash flows and earnings. And then the economic backdrop also aligning with what I want to do or with what, what the investment typically does well in. Meaning, is the economy slowing? And is this a cyclical name? Well, that brief pop above a moving average, likely to be short-lived. Or, the Fed pivot, is the economy set to accelerate? And then maybe that pop above the moving averages telling you something. So, first off, moving averages are interesting. What's most important to me, though, is, is the moving average pointed up or is it pointed down? And that's, to me, a better indication of longer-term trends. So... When it comes to technicals, what's more important to me are patterns, support levels. Those are more important than the price being briefly above or, or below moving average. Okay. So I hope that helped gave you a bit of perspective. Now let's touch a bit on rising interest rates and the leverage buyout market and especially the private equity market. I know a lot of people that have been sold private equity. Uh, there's a lot of big institutions, endowment funds that invest a lot in private equity. Well, here's a little secret that the private equity firms don't want you to know. Their business is highly dependent on low interest rates and cheap capital. And low-rated U.S. companies, both on public and private markets, had record borrowing last year. And a lot of it had, to, had floating rate debt. And companies with higher debt loads can often find themselves short on cash if interest rates rise and their debt is not fixed. And then when it comes to buyouts... Think of the buyouts on private markets and even public markets that hit a record $1 trillion last year and bankers loved it, but the private equity firms behind most of these deals paid for them primarily in levered loans, floating rate loans. And the big question is, can the businesses that they bought handle higher inflation? Can they pass on the higher costs to the consumer? 
food producers, retailers, chemical manufacturers, they all kind of are in the commodity business, commodity product business. That means their margins are very thin and it's hard to pass along the costs. Now, the benchmark rate for most leveraged loans are expected to rise by around 3% in the next 12 months. That's up from uh, 0.5%. And that's a much faster increase than the loan market has ever experienced in modern times. And so that's the biggest worry, I think, about in this space. And you need to be concerned uh, as well and see what companies have exposure there. Reading to our final break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hi, Steve or Justin. I'm calling from Texas. Got a question on Curalise Holdings. C U R. LF. And I was wondering if, I know it's been several months ago, uh, Justin had mentioned that it would be interesting at $6 a share. It's now at $6.55. And I wondered if you believe it is something that is reasonable to get into. And if so, what price would you come in at? Thank you so much. All right, this is Curaleaf, and this is a company in the cannabis space. And uh, it is had a nice bounce off of that uh, five, let's see, what was the low? 550 or so. So, right around the $6 level, currently at $6.14. And I do think the sentiment with the cannabis space has been pretty washed out. And this currently trades at an enterprise value to EBITDA of about 16 times, which is very reasonable for a company that continues to grow. Let's take a look at its growth numbers here. Where are we? All assets. There we go. Yeah. Quarterly revenue growth, about 39%. Now that's been, let's see, is it coming down? Is it accelerating? Yeah, it's been coming down, but it's still pretty strong growth. And uh, the thing I don't like, I don't love about it, um, is that it's more in the cultivation space. Uh, so cultivates and sells medicinal and recreational cannabis in the U.S. Um, so I like more the companies that have distribution and have sales facilities around the country. So let's say I don't like it. Um, I think it's definitely a lot better than it was trading at $18 a share. So down two-thirds since then. Technicals still aren't great, um, but from a long-term perspective, I do think this is uh, an attractive price. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on commercial real estate. And a lot of building owners have been able to ride out the pandemic because corporations were locked into longer-term leases. But as we are more than two years past the pandemic's beginning, more and more leases are expiring. In fact, a growing number of tenants are shrinking their office space because they need less space, they're moving to hybrid strategies, etc. And leases for 243 million square feet of US office space are set to expire this year. That's the most 
office space to hit the market in a single year since uh, Jones Lang LaSalle, big um, real estate data company, began tracking data in 2015. Now, not a long period of time, but still, it's a lot of office space. That's 11% of the nation's overall lease space. Now, many office tenants who whose lease expired the past couple of years, they didn't extend for 10 years. They extended for short periods of time. And that's why you're seeing this kind of front loading of all of these companies that are coming off lease. Now this number represents a 40% increase since 2018. And vacancy levels are now at 12.2 nationwide. That was That's up from 9.6 at the end of 2019. Now, Green Street estimates that hybrid work will cause a 15% drop in demand for office space. And because most of the company, most building expenses are fixed, think of security, insurance, maintenance, upkeep of common areas, etc. Just a small uptick in vacancies can lead to losing money. And trouble loans are now on the rise. In February, 21.2% of office loans made after the financial crisis that were packaged into mortgage-backed securities were on watch lists or already handled by servicers, special services to deal with defaults. Now, who's going to be hurt the most? Well, community banks, many of them. So it's important if you're looking at regional banks to understand which ones have the most exposure. For example, Heritage Financial Corp and Eagle Bank Corp both have 13% of their loan portfolios backed by office buildings. And that's the biggest risk here. So you've already seen Blackstone. They gave one of their buildings back to a creditor after L Brands, their biggest tenant, left. So... This is a trend you're going to continue to see. And I think this is where the biggest potential stress in the market is, uh, is uh, the loans backed by commercial real estate. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. We do track our download numbers, and we are now closing on a 41 million, thanks to you. So get your Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave your question with your review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor.